Get to Old Navy now because this week only there's a new red hot deal every single day. Plus up to 50% off store wide. That's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles. Also get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in store. So hurry in and get today's wow worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe. Only at Old Navy. Valid 712 to 19. Select styles only. $10 off valid in store only. One time use. Excludes clearance, gift card, register lane items, jewelry. Gentlemen, welcome to Think It Ain't Illegal Yet. I'm your host, St. Clinton. On this show, we'll be playing some poetry, spoken words, and other things about political and social issues going on around the world, both past, present, and future, which will hopefully make you think. Big Orange Lie When you got big power, you can tell a big lie. Repeat it often, and the truth will die. You can invent your own alternative facts. You can make up all kinds of crazy crap. Up is down, good is bad, right is wrong, and happy is sad. War is peace, and love is hate. Repeat it often, and they'll take the bait. Some are too dumb to ever know. Some are too scared to just say no. Some want the power you bestow. And some just want the blood to flow. So, stand up, my friend. Shout it to the end. Shout to the mountains. Shout to the sky. Shout to the deep blue sea. We're mad as hell. We're the majority. You're not the boss of me. When you got big power, you can destroy the truth. You could make up stuff and call it real news. If they call it fake, you call them liars. If they persist, You get out the pliers, pull their fingernails one by one. If they don't submit, you get out your gun. Some are too dumb to ever know. Some are too scared to just say no. Some want the power you bestow. And some just want the blood. I'm happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today. 
under the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as the great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. 100 years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. 100 years later, The Negro is still languished in the corners of American society and finds himself in exile in his own land. So we've come here today to dramatize the shameful condition. In a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. They were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as our citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. The Bank of Justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity of this nation. So we've come to cash this check, a check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom and the security of justice. to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. This is no time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or to take the tranquilizing drug of gradualism. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Now is the time 
derived from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit path of racial justice. Now is the time. From the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood, now is the time. It would be fatal for the nation to overlook the urgency of the moment. This sweltering summit of the Negro's legitimate discontent will not pass until that is an invigorating autumn of freedom and equality. 1963 is not an end, but a beginning. Those who hope that the Negro needed to blow off steam and will now be content, will have a rude awakening if the nation returns to business as usual. There will be neither rest nor tranquility in America until the Negro is granted his citizenship right. The whirlwinds of revolt will continue to shake the foundations of our nation until the bright day of justice emerges. But that is something that I must say to my people who stand on the warm threshold which leads into the palace of justice. In the process of gaining our rightful place, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. We must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. We must not allow our creative protest to degenerate into physical violence. Again and again, we must rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force. The marvelous new militancy which has engulfed the Negro community must not lead us to a distrust of all white people. For many of our white brothers, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that their destiny is tied up with our destiny. freedom is inextricably bound to our freedom. We cannot walk alone. And as we walk, we must make the pledge that we shall always march ahead. We cannot turn back. There are those who are asking the devotees of civil rights, when will you be satisfied? We can never be satisfied as long as the Negro is the victim of the unspeakable horrors of police brutality. We can never be satisfied. As long as our body is heavy with the fatigue of travel, cannot gain lodging in the motels of the highways and the hotels of the cities. We 
We cannot be satisfied as long as the Negro's basic mobility is from a smaller ghetto to a larger one. We can never be satisfied as long as our children are stripped of their selfhood and robbed of their dignity for whites only. satisfied as long as a Negro in Mississippi cannot vote and a Negro in New York believes he has nothing for which to vote. No, no, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. I'm not my unmindful that some of you have come here out of great trials and tribulations. Some of you have come fresh from narrow jail cells. Some of you have come from areas where your quest for freedom left you battered by the storms of persecution and staggered by the winds of police brutality. You have been the veterans of creative suffering. Continue to work with the faith that unearned suffering is redemptive. Go back to Mississippi. Go back to Alabama. Go back to South Carolina. Go back to Georgia. Go back to Louisiana. Go back to the slums and ghettos of our northern cities. Knowing that somehow this situation can and will be changed. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friend, so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day, even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today.
rapist with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. Exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this thing, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day when all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee, I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. From the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom ring. From the mighty mountains of New York, let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last.
When I see the soars of war flying high up in the sky On the license plate of your car and tattooed on your thigh I wonder sometimes I wonder why When I see that stainless banner nailed so neatly to your wall I try to feel no anger, but it's hard to feel so small And I say to myself What's wrong with us all? When I see a rebel flag painted proudly on your face I wish we all had a tail to wag, maybe then we'd be one race I pray sometimes for that old amazing grace. Some say it's a sign of southern pride, a symbol of our history. Well, maybe so if you were on that side fighting for that mystery. Some say it's a flag of bravery, but that's not what it's about. There was a thing called slavery And that thing was thrown out Now it's time to do the same With the flag you love so dearly You probably don't know my name So I'll just sign this song Sincerely darkness we must try to see the light take a seat and learn from me i teach people to stand up and fight for themselves and for loved ones and for all those in need take those off their high horse and do not blame the steed if we are to succeed we must never lose hope these are words of inspiration that you do not need to quote we use words like dope sick and bad like they're cool we must realize these are things we were not taught in school Society wants us to think awful things are great. Advice that could lead us to death, a grave mistake. But let's take a moment to look around this dark world. Dark truths hide behind bright lights, drugs, men and girls. They tell us sex sells as they sell drugs to children, afraid that we will become strong men and women. They're ready to give us the mark of the beast. We are more than upset. But light has now risen like the sun and won't set. I offer truth and inspiration. We must all hold our weight with no hesitation. Since our creation, we were destined for greatness. We must all keep it real and just let the fake hate us. Never let them name us or call us something different. Like bitches, punks, or slaves. We are strong men and women. We have a bright future if we choose to see the light. If it wasn't for us at the bottom, the top would not have its height. If they choose to look down on us, let's not bring them down with us, but rise to the top together with this life that God gives us. If the peak is corrupt, then it has to erupt, blow up and blow over for those just like us. The common person, it's what makes us extraordinary. We are all the same, though each being varies. From insects to humans, from ground to water, we all must love our planet and all those in it, for together we're stronger. 
For there is no honor in disrespect, and you are still responsible for those things you choose to neglect. We all have regrets, that's what makes us human. Pride in good deeds and shame in ones of good times ruined. Let us cease the confusion and know where we're heading. Real people will have a reunion when I see you in heaven. There is nothing wrong with standing up for what's right. Our victory is coming, even if it's not in sight. So follow the light. Our destination is peace for us and for all as we let the love increase. These are the people who are against street crime. They want to put street criminals in jail to make life safer for the business criminals. And they're against street crime, providing that street isn't Wall Street. Their jobs, their justice, their dreams. Listen, learn, care. I have to go Boston, Seattle. Hi, Wall Street, Chicago, Boston, Seattle, and St. Louis, and many more. Listen, learn, care, understand, witness. The people's voices will be heard. Our civil, you stole their job, stole their job, stole their jobs, their justice, understand, witness. The people's voices will be heard. Listen, learn, care, understand, and witness. Human are alive, are aware, are civil. You stole their job, a human, a human, a human, a human, a human operations. These people are human, are alive, are aware, are civil, a human, are alive, are aware, a human, are alive, are aware, are civil. You stole their job, their job, their jobs, their justice. Their jobs, civil. You stole their jobs. You stole their job. Learn, care, understand. Listen, learn, care, understand. Listen, learn, care, understand. The people's voices will be heard out loud, not silenced. The people's voices will be heard without gates, elections, or propaganda. The words will be harvested. Freshly demanded democracy, pure drinking water for famished tongues. They are a new regime raging against the machine of wars, weapons, and corporations. Wars, weapons, and corporations. These people are human, are alive, are aware, are civil. You stole their jobs, their justice, their dreams. No veto will get in the way of their hope. No law you pass can take away their rights for cleaner air. It is not arms they bear, but solutions to the problem. These mighty children of labor are bringing back the poor people's campaign, looking to community gardens and organizing to maintain. The Supreme Court gave corporations unimaginable rights. So now, the people have to fight. They'll occupy Wall Street, Chicago, Boston, Seattle, and St. Louis, and many more. Listen, learn, care, understand, witness. The people's voices will be heard. Listen, learn, care, understand. Listen, learn, care, understand. The people's voices will be heard out loud, not silent. The people's voices will be heard without gates, elections, or propaganda. Their words will be harvested. Freshly demanded democracy, pure drinking water for famished tongues. There are a new regime raging against the machine of wars, weapons, and corporations. Wars, weapons, and corporations. These people are human, are alive, are aware, are civil. You stole their jobs, their justice, their dreams. No veto will get in the way of their hope. No law you pass can take away their rights for cleaner air. It is not arms they bear, but solutions to the problem. These mighty children of labor are bringing back the poor people's campaign, looking to community gardens and organizing to maintain. 
The Supreme Court gave corporations unimaginable rights. So now, what does Bain do? Bain's primary business is acquiring companies. It's a group of outside investors who put their money together. Oh, I knew you had this business here, David. Buy a company. Investing in the companies, making them more efficient. Now the guy's got Paulie's apartment. Any problems, he goes to Paulie. Trouble with the bill, he can go to Paulie. Trouble with the cops, deliveries, Tommy, he can call Paulie. They buy profitable businesses. These are businesses that borrow money to finance their, their takeovers. But now the guy's got to come up with Paulie's money every week, no matter what. Business bad? Fuck you, pay me. Oh, you had a fire? Fuck you, pay me. Place got hit by lightning, huh? Fuck you, pay me. Vulture capitalism and profiting from worker layoffs. Take over a company, squeeze it, load it with debt, fire people, make millions, and then yeah, be done with it. It's a bust out. You get a debt to them, and when you can't pay them, they become your partners, and then they just they fucking eat through everything like fucking termites. You're not the first guy to get busted out. This is how a guy like me makes a living. This is my bread and butter. Some of those companies were struggling, and some of them uh, couldn't be saved. Uh, that's the nature of our free enterprise. It's my nature. Frog and the scorpion, you know? Also, Paulie could do anything, especially run up bills on the joint's credit. And why not? Nobody's gonna pay for it anyway. And as soon as the deliveries are made in the front door, you move the stuff out the back and sell it at a discount. Invest in startups and troubled businesses. Apply Bain's brand of management advice. Just ship them. I'll worry about selling them. Bread. Fuck group. Bread sells. Bain turned a profit by strip mining these companies. The firms that come out of the control tend to have unusually large amounts of job loss. And then finally, there's nothing left. Fucking shame. You can't borrow another buck from the bank or buy another case of booze. You bust the joint out. The company ultimately folded, uh, but Bain investors still made out very richly in that deal. They cut our wages, they cut our benefits, they took our retirement package. How much did you lose? Everything, everything. Christ's sake, Vic, everything. The savings, the business, everything. Mitt Romney and his buddies took $100 million out of the company and let it go bankrupt. I have to go chapter 11, and then the liquidators will come in and they'll pick through the boat. This factory went bankrupt. 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 After Romney's firm seized control of it. That's exactly what I said. Those companies needed to go through bankruptcy to shed those costs. What's the end? The end? Planned bankruptcy. 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 Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Sane Clinton. I just wanted to drop in real quick and say thank you for listening to this show. Whether you listen through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Plus. Player FM or any other way, I just want to say thank you. Oh, yeah. Daddy beats me with a stick, his Bible says it's right. 
How I prayed he'd stop before I died Daddy punched me with his fist To make me a better man I was only four years old My hell had just began Daddy hit me with his belt, he learned it from his dad He must have known how I felt, how hating him made me sad Daddy whipped me with a hose to teach me to be strong I need love, not violence, when I do something wrong Too hard one day, my brain bounced off the floor Now I don't have to be afraid, he can't hurt me anymore Daddy can't beat me in my grave, I remain forever for I don't have to be afraid, he can't hurt me anymore All I ever hear is talk and talk and talk. Pass the script because the people need an answer. Well, you greedy bastard, I am sick of your shit. I feel like I'm living here on Orwell's farm, being treated like a piece of meat that's nearly ready to eat. And by eat, I mean vote. <laughs> what a joke. Vote for you or your chums on the bench with your banterous arguments about public spending, corporate lending, and how much you can scam out of me with your expenses bending. You were bent from the start, you half ass smart ass. You'd privatise your granny for half a mil, and the blood you've spilt has turned the gulf red. How do you sleep with the 200,000 dead on your conscience and on your head? I see nothing in this nation's politics that fills me with hope, and I have a whole generation with me, and all we've been told is politicians insisting that they're doing a great job, increasing taxing on the working class while they're calling us yobs. Cutting our health service, our funding, our livelihood, demanding my council tax so I'm locked up for good, but expenses, well, uh, that's different. Two grand's no biggie, chill guys, go easy. I needed my second house, you know, for when I'm away at the weekend. Mate, my house doesn't even have two bedrooms, but... You didn't look, you assumed, and now I guess I'm going to have to pay tax on that too. So don't question me when all I say is I hear blah, blah, blah. Because for all I care, mate, you could be speaking out your ass. We don't 
believe in the rule of law. We have magical authority. We got one book that explains it all and we're sticking to our story. We don't believe in Adam and Steve. We don't approve of Jill and Jane. Unless you're gonna procreate, we propose that you abstain. We don't believe what we don't know how the preacher tells us so. I'm on a mic, the rapture's coming, I gotta go. We don't believe in science, we don't care about your facts. We got one book that explains it all and fills in all the gaps. We don't believe in evolution, we don't care, it might be true. Armageddon's our solution, our hope and our worldview. We don't believe and we don't know till the preacher tells us so. The rapture's coming, I gotta go. We don't believe in climate change, global warming is a hope. Maybe we seem a little strange, but we're the chosen folks. We don't believe in questioning as the playground of the devil. We got all the answers and homeschool to that level. We don't believe, but we don't know till the preacher tells us so. We don't believe what we don't know till the preacher tells us so. This poem I told them could last through the ages. It reflects on the bad, but it's good for all ages. Our world's now corrupt, people choose not to see. They cover their eyes, and it's I, no longer we. People's pens are like swords, lies act as a shield, not knowing the true power of the weapons they wield. As hatred hurts, love heals. But if we say love in vain, then it's no longer real. We need to be true to our hearts and to others. For if this is the bed we made, then we don't deserve covers. We lust and call each other lovers, not knowing the word, or at least its true meaning, so it sounds so absurd. But while we observe all our deeds, good and bad, we must both cry and laugh about the lives that we had. For without pain, joy would not taste as sweet. We both help and compete, just trying to feel complete. Though there's always that void, no, there's always that voice, as you act as your conscience and you make each choice. Just drown out the noise with no liquid involved as you find the answer and you make the call.
The darkness is deep, but the light is far greater. You make the difference between a giver and a taker. Don't mope, only cope, and know that there's always hope. And don't look to those who look at love as a hoax. We all start life never knowing its end. But remember what Bob Marley said. Love is the only force that can turn an enemy into a friend. Thank you very much, Gertrude Mangella, for your dedicated work that has brought us to this point. Distinguished delegates and guests, I would like to thank the Secretary General for inviting me to be part of this important United Nations Fourth World Conference on Women. This is truly a celebration a celebration of the contributions women make in every aspect of life, in the home, on the job, in the community, as mothers, wives, sisters, daughters, learners, workers, citizens, and leaders. It is also a coming together, much the way women come together every day in every country. We come together in fields and factories, in village markets and supermarkets, in living rooms and board rooms. Whether it is while playing with our children in the park or washing clothes in a river, or taking a break at the office water cooler, we come together and talk about our aspirations and concerns. And time and again, our talk turns to our children and our families. However different we may appear, there is far more that unites us than divides us. We share a common future, and we are here to find common ground so that we may help bring new dignity and respect to women and girls all over the world and in so doing, bring new strength and stability to families as well. By gathering in Beijing, we are focusing world attention on issues that matter most in our lives, the lives of women and their families, access to education, health care, jobs and credit, the chance to enjoy basic legal and human rights, and to participate fully in the political life of our countries. There are some who question the reason for this conference. Let them listen to the voices of women in their homes, neighborhoods, and workplaces. There are some who wonder whether the lives of women and girls matter to economic and political progress around the globe. Let them look at the women gathered here and at Wairo the homemakers and nurses, the teachers and lawyers, the policymakers, and women who run their own businesses. It is conferences like this that compel governments and peoples everywhere to listen, look, and face the world's most pressing problems. Wasn't it, after all, after the women's conference in Nairobi 10 years ago, that the world focused for the first time on the crisis of domestic violence. Earlier today, I participated in a World Health Organization forum. In that forum, we talked about ways that government officials, NGOs, and individual citizens are working to address the health problems of women and girls. 
Tomorrow, I will attend a gathering of the United Nations Development Fund for Women. There, the discussion will focus on local and highly successful programs that give hard-working women access to credit so they can improve their own lives and the lives of their families. What we are learning around the world is that if women are healthy and educated, their families will flourish. If women are free from violence, their families will flourish. If women have a chance to work and earn as full and equal partners in society, their families will flourish. And when families flourish, communities and nations do as well. That is why every woman, every man, every child, every family, and every nation on this planet does have a stake in the discussion that takes place here. Over the past 25 years, I have worked persistently on issues relating to women, children, and families. Over the past two and a half years, I've had the opportunity to learn more about the challenges facing women in my own country and around the world. I have met new mothers in Indonesia who come together regularly in their village to discuss nutrition, family planning, and baby care. I have met working parents in Denmark who talk about the comfort they feel in knowing that their children can be cared for in safe and nurturing after-school centers. I have met women in South Africa who helped lead the struggle to end apartheid and are now helping to build a new democracy. I have met with the leading women of my own hemisphere who are working every day to promote literacy and better health care for children in their countries. I have met women in India and Bangladesh who are taking out small loans to buy milk cows or rickshaws or thread in order to create a livelihood for themselves and their families. I have met the doctors and nurses in Belarus and Ukraine who are trying to keep children alive in the aftermath of Chernobyl. The great challenge of this conference is to give voice to women everywhere whose experiences go unnoticed, whose words go unheard. Women comprise more than half the world's population, 70% of the world's poor, and two-thirds of those who are not taught to read and write. We are the primary caretakers for most of the world's children and elderly, yet much of the work we do is not valued, not by economists, not by historians, not by popular culture, not by government leaders. At this very moment, as we sit here, women around the world are giving birth, raising children, cooking meals, washing clothes, cleaning houses, planting crops, working on assembly lines, running companies, and running countries. Women also are dying from diseases that should have been prevented or treated. They are watching their children succumb to malnutrition caused by poverty and economic deprivation. They are being denied the right to go to school by their own fathers and brothers. They are being forced into prostitution, and they are being barred from the bank lending offices and banned from the ballot box. Those of us who have the opportunity to be here have the responsibility to speak for those who could not. As an American, I want to speak for women in my own country, women who are raising children on the minimum wage, women who can't afford health care or child care, 
women whose lives are threatened by violence, including violence in their own homes. I want to speak up for mothers who are fighting for good schools, safe neighborhoods, clean air, and clean airwaves. For older women, some of them widows, who find that after raising their families, their skills and life experiences are not valued in the marketplace. For women who are working all night as nurses, hotel clerks, or fast food chefs so that they can be at home during the day with their children. And for women everywhere who simply don't have time to do everything they are called upon to do each and every day. Speaking to you today, I speak for them just as each of us speaks for women around the world who are denied the chance to go to school or see a doctor or own property or have a say about the direction of their lives simply because they are women. The truth is that most women around the world work both inside and outside the home, usually by necessity. We need to understand there is no one formula for how women should lead our lives. That is why we must respect the choices that each woman makes for herself and her family. Every woman deserves the chance to realize her own God-given potential. But we must recognize that women will never gain full dignity until their human rights are respected and protected. Our goals for this conference to strengthen families and societies by empowering women to take greater control over their own destinies cannot be fully achieved unless all governments here and around the world accept their responsibility to protect and promote internationally recognized human rights. The, in <laughs> the international community has long acknowledged and recently reaffirmed at Vienna that both women and men are entitled to a range of protections and personal freedoms from the right of personal security to the right to determine freely the number and spacing of the children they bear. No one, no one should be forced to remain silent for fear of religious or political persecution, arrest, abuse, or torture. Tragically, women are most often the ones whose human rights are violated. Even now, in the late 20th century, the rape of women continues to be used as an instrument of armed conflict. Women and children make up a large majority of the world's refugees. And when women are excluded from the political process, they become even more vulnerable to abuse. I believe that now, on the eve of a new millennium. It is time to break the silence. It is time for us to say here in Beijing and for the world to hear that it is no longer acceptable to discuss women's rights as separate from human rights.
These abuses have continued because for too long the history of women has been a history of silence. Even today, there are those who are trying to silence our words. But the voices of this conference and of the women at YRO must be heard loudly and clearly. It is a violation of human rights when babies are denied food or drowned or suffocated or their spines broken simply because they are born girls. It is a violation of human rights when women and girls are sold into the slavery of prostitution for human greed and the kinds of reasons that are used to justify this practice should no longer be tolerated. It is a violation of human rights when women are doused with gasoline, set on fire, and burned to death because their marriage dowries are deemed too small. It is a violation of human rights when individual women are raped in their own communities and when thousands of women are subjected to rape as a tactic or prize of war. It is a violation of human rights when a leading cause of death worldwide among women ages 14 to 44 is the violence they are subjected to in their own homes by their own relatives. It is a violation of human rights when young girls are brutalized by the painful and degrading practice of genital mutilation. It is a violation of human rights when women are denied the right to plan their own families, and that includes being forced to have abortions or being sterilized against their will. If there is one message that echoes forth from this conference, let it be that human rights are women's rights and women's rights are human rights once and for all. And among those rights are the right to speak freely and the right to be heard. Women must enjoy the rights to participate fully in the social and political lives of their countries if we want freedom and democracy to thrive and endure. It is indefensible that many women in non-governmental organizations who wish to participate in this conference have not been able to attend or have been pro prohibited from fully taking part. Let me be clear. 
Freedom means the right of people to assemble, organize, and debate openly. It means respecting the views of those who may disagree with the views of their governments. It means not taking citizens away from their loved ones and jailing them, mistreating them, or denying them their freedom or dignity because of the peaceful expression of their ideas and opinions. In my country, we recently celebrated the 75th anniversary of women's suffrage. It took 150 years after the signing of our Declaration of Independence for women to win the right to vote. It took 72 years of organized struggle before that happened on the part of many courageous women and men. It was one of America's most divisive philosophical wars, but it was a bloodless war. Suffrage was achieved without a shot being fired. But we have also been reminded in VJ Day observances last weekend of the good that comes when men and women join together to combat the forces of tyranny and to build a better world. We have seen peace prevail in most places for a half century. We have avoided another world war. But we have not solved older, deeply rooted problems that continue to diminish the potential of half the world's population. Now it is the time to act on behalf of women everywhere. If we take bold steps to better the lives of women, we will be taking bold steps to better the lives of children and families, too. Families rely on mothers and wives for emotional support and care. Families rely on women for labor in the home. And increasingly, everywhere, families rely on women for income needed to raise healthy children and care for other relatives. As long as discrimination and inequities remain so commonplace everywhere in the world, as long as girls and women are valued less, fed less, fed last, overworked, underpaid, not schooled, subjected to violence in and outside their homes, the potential of the human family to create a peaceful, prosperous world will not be realized. Let, let this conference be our and the world's call to action. Let us heed that call so we can create a world in which every woman is treated with respect and dignity. Every boy and girl is loved and cared for equally. And every family has the hope of a strong... Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is St. Quentin, and we've come to the end of Think It Ain't Illegal, yeah. We'll be back soon with a new episode, and hopefully... This episode has made you think and want to make a difference in this world. 
Now I'm going to turn on for the love of poetry and spoken word and think. Get to Old Navy now, because this week only, there's a new red-hot deal every single day. Plus, up to 50% off store-wide. That's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles. Also, get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in-store. So hurry in and get today's wow-worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe. Only at Old Navy. Valid 712 to 19, select styles only. $10 off valid in-store only. One-time use excludes clearance, gift card, register lane items, jewelry. Get to Old Navy now, because this week only, there's a new red-hot deal every single day. Plus, up to 50% off store-wide. That's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles. Also, get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in-store. So hurry in and get today's wow-worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe. Only at Old Navy. Valid 712 to 19, select styles only. $10 off valid in-store only. One-time use excludes clearance, gift card, register lane items, jewelry.